Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...who actually exist, and they have been for the most part, to quote a familiar trademark, made in Germany. They are certainly not made by the Chinese, who do not possess and never have possessed in their language an equivalent term for grammar. The language is quite beyond the reach of the application of such rules as have been successfully deduced from Latin and Greek. The Chinese seem always to have spoken in monosyllables, and these monosyllables seem always to have been incapable of inflection, agglutination, or change of any kind. They are in reality root ideas, and are capable of adapting themselves to their surroundings, and of playing each one such varied parts as noun, verb, transitive, neuter, or even causal, adverb, and conjunction. The word war, which for convenience sake I shall call I, must be rendered into English by me, whenever it is the object of some other word which, also for convenience sake, I call a verb. It has further such extended senses as egoistic and subjective. For example, war ai ta. The first of these characters, which is really the root idea of self, stands here for the pronoun of the first person. The last, which is really the root idea of not-self, other, stands for the pronoun of the third person, and the middle character for the root idea of love. This might mean in English, I love him, or I love her, or I love it, for there is no gender in Chinese any more than there is any other indication of grammatical susceptibilities. We can only decide if him, her, or it is intended by the context, or by the circumstances of the case. Now, if we were to transpose what I must still call the pronouns, although they are not pronouns except when we make them so, we should have ta ai wo, he, she, or it loves me. The only change which the Chinese words have undergone being one of position, while in English, in addition to the inflection of the pronouns, the love of the first person becomes love's in the third person. Again, supposing we wish to write down people love him or her, we should have zhen ai ta, in which once more the noticeable feature is that the middle character, although passing from the singular to the plural number, 
suffers no change of any kind whatever. Further, the character for man is in the plural simply because such a rendering is the only one which the genius of the Chinese language will here tolerate, helped out by the fact that the word by itself does not mean a man, but rather what we may call the root idea of humanity. Such terms as a man, or six men, or some men, or many men, would be expressed each in its own particular way. All men, for instance, would involve merely the duplication of the character ren. Ren ren ai ta. It is the same with tenses in Chinese. They are not brought out by inflection, but by the use of additional words. Lai is the root idea of coming, and lends itself as follows to the exigencies of conjugation. Standing alone, it is imperative. Lai, come, here. Wo lai, I come, or am coming. Ta lai, he comes, or is coming. And by inserting bu, a root idea of negation, ta bu lai, he comes not, or is not coming. To express an interrogative, we say, Ta lai bu lai, he come no come, i.e., is he coming, submitting the two alternatives for the person addressed to choose from in reply. The indefinite past tense is formed by adding the word liao or le, finished. Ta lai le, he come finish, he has come. This may be turned into the definite past tense by inserting some indication of time. For example, Ta zao shang lai le, he came this morning. Here we see that the same words may be indefinite or definite according to circumstances. It is perhaps more startling to find that the same words may be both active and passive. Thus, diu is the root idea of loss, to lose, and le puts it into the past tense. Now, wo diu le means, and can only mean, I have lost something understood, or to be expressed. Strike out wo and substitute shu, a book. Now no Chinaman would think that the new sentence meant the book has lost, something understood or to be expressed, as for instance its cover. But he would grasp at once the real sense, the book is or has been lost. In the case of such, a phrase as the book has lost its cover, quite a different word would be used for lost. We have the same phenomenon in English. In the New York Times of February the 13th, I read, Mr. So-and-so dined, meaning not that Mr. So-and-so took his dinner, but had been entertained at dinner by a party of friends, a neuter verb transformed into a passive verb by the logic of circumstances. By like process, the word si, to die, may also mean to make to die, to kill. The word jin, which stands for gold, as a substantive, may also stand, as in English, for an adjective and for a verb, 
to gold, i.e. to regard as gold, to value highly. There is nothing in Chinese like love, loving, lovely, as noun substantive, verb and adverb. The word, written or spoken, remains invariably, so far as its own economy is concerned, the same. Its function in a sentence is governed entirely by position and by the influence of other words upon it, coupled with the inexorable logic of attendant circumstances. When a Chinaman comes up to you and says, You want chi mai no want chi? He is doing no foolish thing, at any rate, from his own point of view. To save himself the trouble of learning grammatical English, he is taking the language and divesting it of all troublesome inflections, until he has at his control a set of root ideas, with which he can juggle as in his own tongue. In other words, you want chi mai no want chi, is nothing more nor less than literally rendered Chinese. Ni yao wo buyao, do you want me or not? In this pidgin English he can express himself, as in Chinese, by merely changing the position of the words. He wan chi mai, my wan chi he, my belong Englishman, that knife belong my. Some years back, when I was leaving China for England with young children, their faithful Chinese nurse kept on repeating to the little ones the following remarkable sentence. My too muchy solly you go steamer, you no solly my. All this is very absurd, no doubt. Still, it is bona fide Chinese, and illustrates very forcibly how an intelligible language may be constructed of root ideas arranged in logical sequence. If the last word has now been said in reference to colloquial, it would be as easy for us to learn to speak Chinese as it is for a Chinaman to learn to speak Pidgin English. There is, however, a great obstacle still in the way of the student. The Chinese language is peculiarly lacking in vocables, that is to say it possesses very few sounds for the conveyance of speech. The dialect of Peking is restricted to 420 and as every word in the language must fall under one or other of those sounds, it follows that if there are 42,000 words in the language, and the standard dictionary contains 44,000, there is an average of a 100 words to each sound. Of course, if any sound had less than a 100 words attached to it, some other sound would have proportionately more. Thus, accepting the average, we should have a hundred things or ideas, all expressed in speech, for instance, by the single sound, I. The confusion likely to arise from such conditions needs not to be enlarged upon. It is at once obvious, and probably gave rise to the following sapient remark by a globe-trotting author, which I took from a newspaper in England. In China, the letter I has one hundred and forty-five different ways of being pronounced, and each pronunciation has a different meaning. It will be difficult to squeeze more misleading nonsense into a smaller compass. Imagine the agonies of a Chinese infant school, struggling with the letter I, pronounced in a hundred and forty-five different ways, with a different meaning to each. It will suffice to say what everybody here present must know, that Chinese is not in any sense an alphabetic language, 
and that consequently there can be no such thing as the letter I. When closely examined, this great difficulty of many words with but one common sound melts rapidly away, until there is but a fairly small residuum with which the student has to contend. The same difficulty confronts us, to a slighter extent, even in English, 